Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. I'm all about the last second attendance of sporting events. So the fact that you can just hop on the app quickly, easily get you a ticket to say you want to all of a sudden now you want to go applaud Andy Dalton. On Sunday in his potential last game against the Browns, you can do it so quickly and easily at the last second. Well, now Game Time's hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. And under the Billing section, section redeem the code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's the athletic, all one word for ten dollars off your first purchase. It's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first one thousand people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. It's December thirty first, twenty nineteen. So make moves quick and score last minute tickets. Welcome into a very special edition of the walkout. Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison, your Bengals team for the athletic. Where do you start? Let's start at the end. Let's start at the result. Let's. If you didn't watch the game and you didn't know what happened, you would just say, did they lose? Yeah, they lost. They now have the number one overall pick. That's all that really mattered, right? Unless you decided to experience the roller coaster of seeing if they did and seeing what could have been the most insane reverse meltdown in Cincinnati sports history. <laughs> uh, when they came back from 23 down with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, recovered an onside kick, Two two-point conversions, a a mini Hail Mary to force overtime, and nearly all the while doing that while their fans didn't want them to win. Were irate. I, <laughs> I mean, Twitter was in rare form. Uh, yeah, people were pissed. And I, I, I get it, but it, it was more... It was more the disbelief than the anger, even. It was just, how in the world is this happening? But the one time you don't want something like that to happen, and you get the weirdest, strangest comeback ever. It was. And, and you're right. And it was all because... No, the, the game was absurd enough, but when you throw it against the backdrop of the only thing the Bengals needed to do was lose to potentially secure what they hope will be their quarterback of the next decade... Is just, it's so fun. Like, it's just hysterical. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I, it's why you sign up. I feel like you show up and you want a game to be unique for whatever reason that is. 
And I can say, without any shadow of a doubt, I will always remember this trip oh, absolutely. to South Florida. I will never forget how unique the circumstances of this game were. And I certainly won't forget how it went down. This will be legendary stuff when we look back on whatever Joe Burrow's career ends up being. I think that we will look back on this game and say, man, if only they would or wouldn't have, I guess, pulled out that win in that crazy overtime. First question in April when Joe shows up after they draft was going to be, did you watch that Bengals-Dolphins game? It's a Sunday afternoon. I don't, I don't know if LSU's practicing today or not. I, I, his future's on the line. He can't control it, but you got to think he's interested. I mean, I wonder what he's thinking watching that whole thing go down. I would. What a great story that could have been yeah, for someone sit. to watch that game with Joe Burrow. Yeah. And I, you know, was he watching it? Like, did, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe not even interested in it. Here's the. Here's what I. My angle on my column, and and I think it's an interesting point of discussion. I totally came into this game thinking that all, so much of the hope for the Bengals' future would be tied into losing this game and the next week. But this game was the one because next week the Browns eliminated and fighting amongst themselves and going on the road and Andy Dalton's potential last start feels like one that they're going to win. Yeah. I just felt so much of the hope for the future was tied into losing this game. And the interesting thing, and on a crazy day, uh, you know, it's not—it's kind of fitting that you come away with a surprising takeaway. Has the team ever been in a more quittable scenario than the one the Bagels were in? Twelve minutes left. You've played like trash all game. You're literally at a 99.9% lose probability. You, your, your fans don't want you to win. You're on the road. And yet, here's this island of misfit toys (laughs) finding a way to make every single crazy play imaginable and send that game to overtime. I, I found there to be hope in that. I mean, really, the roster is bad. The coaches need more experience. There are so many problems. This is this team is not a quarterback away. Joe Burrow is not going to save them from themselves. They have so much work to do. They need to do a hard reset on this roster, without doubt. But the reason you can have some hope is with some of those right changes. And if Burrow turns into any kind of a guy, the fight and like the actual energy on this team in the in the most quittable of scenarios is something that you can win with. And it's uh, and people complain all the time about Zach saying, you know, we fought to the end, and that does ring hollow when when you play hard and lose. But they came back. They uh, the greatest comeback in team history. I mean, they didn't win the game, but they've never erased a twenty three point fourth quarter deficit before. So to come all the way back and force overtime, I, I think there is something to be said about them fighting to the end. And there, like you said, that was if ever there was a game to quit in, it was that one. And, and the they showed a lot of character. They had, guys were hurt. I mean, William Jackson was out, which may have been a good thing with the way he was playing. But you you got guys going down. You've got starters playing on special teams. Everything going against you. 
and, and really not just in that fourth quarter. The Dolphins, everybody knew what this game was. The Dolphins come out and go touchdown, touchdown, if I remember right. They started that game, bang, bang. Yeah. And the Bengals are down 14 nothing before they even know what hit them. And then they, after giving up back-to-back touchdown drives, they pitched three straight three and outs and get things straightened out. And it, it was just, I, I do think there is something to that. It, it rings hollow, like I said, when you you talk about fighting to the end when you lost the game anyhow and you lost by 10 points or 12, your 14, whatever. Your 14th game this season. Yes. But to do that, and it wasn't it wasn't just overcoming 23 points in 11-12. That's when they that's when the Dolphins took the the 23 point lead. When they when the Bengals snapped the ball with like 6:15 left, they were still down 23. So they in the final 6 minutes and 11 seconds is when they actually overcame the 23 point deficit. That's just it's unheard of. And my, my favorite part of the whole thing was when we were riding the elevator down to do interviews, and one of the Miami writers was like, we weren't even watching the game. We were watching the Giants and Redskins <laughs> on the TV in the press box. Yes. Everybody thought that game was over. Uh, that That's one of the beautiful things about writing, writing for The Athletic, because when you're not on deadline, like everybody else had their stories written and ready to go, and they had to rip them up. It was kind of reminiscent of that the Bengals-Steelers meltdown, that playoff game where stories changed so much at the end, and... We were able to just kind of sit, watch, digest it, and then write after the game was over. So, the story I had actually, and I, I ended up having to sort of rip it up, but it was still in there, and, and that was kind of something I mentioned earlier, and that is this: what should have been the takeaway from the first three quarters plus of this game was leaving an emphatic mark on the brains of Duke Tobin. And, the, and Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn and Troy Blake and their family that they need to hard reset this roster and be aggressive doing it and they and, and they have to use free agency because they they don't have enough picks they don't have enough this is they're not one draft away they're not a Joe Burrow not away, a quarterback away no. they they are they are they have to find a way to go out and fill they're just it's unfair to these guys to think that they're going to go out there and, and be able to make that you they, they just have to go fill some of these holes and find more quality players. We've known that over the course of the year, but as you get to the end, you know how they can leave a mark. And I thought that that was going to be the primary takeaway of this was was that this today wasn't about Joe Burrow. Today was about how far away this team it really is. You know, and even as now they would now have eight competitive L's, Jay. Eight losses by magic one possession. Number. The magic number they've hit it where where they're now in that grouping that improves by an average of four point five wins every single year, and you see so many of them end up five hundred or above the next year. I am, by the way, not saying that will be the case. I'm saying though, there there is something to that. But you you look at that, you look at this game, and you look at this season. You you you, you take the right foundation of the type of stuff that we were talking about a team that comes back in that most quittable moment. You take potentially getting a a quarterback uh, who can be a a real guy. You take fixing the obvious positions that need to be fixed and doing that the right way. You take a year, an important year of growth and realizing where things went wrong from an inexperienced coaching staff coming back in their second season. You put all that together, 
and you put you put it on the base of what we're talking about why there you can take derive some hope from there the comeback and then you can really have something and then it can have but it's on them to go out this off season and do it right and really fix it and understand that you may have your philosophical philosophical feeling about how free agency can't be a part of building but you also have to understand that there are certain circumstances where it is unique where you have to you have to do it and i they're clearly on one and they have to use it if they do you can put that on top of some of the things that you just saw and maybe you have something maybe they, i mean they you have, when you're in this position you have to take a chance you have to gamble a little bit yeah that that's not their philosophy to go out and get free agents because it's not because they don't want to spend money it's because they think that that's bad money. It's bad money, and that the you know, the chances of hitting on those big name guys, and they're right. A lot of times, those guys flame out, and they're they're not the, the franchise savers or the or the difference makers that everybody expects them to be. But when you're in this position, you have no other choice but to to take a shot. Number one, they're going to have the money to do it because we don't know what's going to happen with AJ Green. But you know, you get Andy's contract off the books. Maybe Dre. Maybe Carlos. Cordy. Cordy. I mean. They're going to have plenty of money to play with and, and go out and take some shots on those guys. And, and you don't have to get two or three big-name guys on the first day for each. See, maybe get a linebacker. Maybe get the best linebacker out there and then be active on day two and day three and start filling in the, the, the spots. I, I don't know. It almost seems like a no-brainer, but we know what this franchise is. We, it, I mean, it, nothing would surprise me. If they face that on their hands again at free age. I mean, they did it at the trade deadline. If they do it again... And free agency, it wouldn't shock me. But I, for as much as they say they care about not uh, about attendance and about keeping the fans engaged, and that was one of the reasons they let Marvin go because of the empty stadium, they're going to lose whatever loyal fans they have left if, if they do it again this spring and just sit back and watch everybody else sign these guys. But I will never be surprised by anything again after what I saw today. <laughs> though right. I think, <laughs> I just I I got it. The other aspect of this game and of the post game in particular that was interesting was um, talking to players and coaches about the fact that they knew a lot of fans wanted them to lose and that weird dichotomy. And I thought, and my point was that I was kind of writing about was look. The one thing you you want is, as a fan, you're able to be detached and view it as a portfolio and a balance sheet and see the value in losing and wanting and rooting to lose. The same time, as a fan, you want the team and players to be pissed when you say you're rooting for them to lose. That's the type of player. If you if they're not, then the whole thing's compromised. If you have players that are like, okay, well, yeah, maybe we should lose. Like, and and there was multiple players, Andy Dalton, Tyler Boyd, saying you're not a true fan if you're out here rooting for us to lose. Like you should root for us to be I'm not I'm I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you should be rooting for us to be competitive and successful and care about winning. And that type of player is somebody that you should be a fan of is someone that does and, and it's true. It doesn't mean you can't still be at home rooting for them to lose because you think the future is brighter with a quarterback on a rookie contract who could be somebody. But I, I have so much you know, there's just a lot of the respect in the room for players not listening to that, not caring about that, and really not letting that 
distraction built into anything. It's like you'll never be more challenged <laughs> than you will when when you have your own fans rooting against you. Um, and I just I don't know. I, I found the reactions to be interesting, and, and it wasn't disrespectful of fans of Bengals no. fans. It was just saying a true a true fan shouldn't be rooting against the players that you supposedly are a fan of. Well, here's the difference. I think the players should have been, I don't know if happy is the right word, but but they should appreciate the fact that, that fans were rooting for them to lose because that means fans are saying, I'm sticking with this team. I want the future to be better. I'm going to be here next year rooting for this team. Because that's the whole reason they're rooting for them to lose is because it's going to make things better next year, getting right. that number one pick. So it, you, it's not fans rooting against them out of spite. It's not fans being apathetic and not caring anymore. It's fans caring and wanting a better 2020 and the fact that they care enough to, to stick with the team and say, you know, we want to be fans next year. We want to see improvement next year. We, we're all in for the number one pick. I, that's almost uh, – I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for, but it, that, that should show the players that there's still a, a large segment that is not jumping ship, that is that is still with these guys and wants to see – a brighter future. Yep, you're exactly right. And, you know, the other lesson, there were so many lessons today. Uh, tanking in the NFL is impossible. We were talking, We uh, Kevin Clark uh, from The Ringer was here, who I'm a big fan of, and uh, I've, you know, really enjoyed developing a, a colleague relationship with him. Uh, and we were discussing that concept, that the, the Dolphins... And even what this game today was proof that you you can't ask people. These players are wired a certain way that you have to be wired to to rise to this level of, as competitors. These guys are wired differently than 99% of humans. And to have any thought of players having any feeling of not being able, not of not trying to win or, or a season that tanks... It's just not something that you can do, no matter how much you trade away players, no matter how much you trade. Because if you're in the NFL, there's a certain level of talent that you have, and those, if you play, go out and play hard, you can win games. You have enough talent where you can win some games. Tanking, actual tanking, you you can't do it. You you, you I mean, you really can't. I mean, the Bengals weren't trying to tank; they lost a bunch of games. Um, you know, you can be bad, but being thinking that you can be purposely bad is it's not really a realistic thing in this league it's it's really not and for all the reasons that we just talked about where the players talking about how they you know don't they, they would they get mad at fans saying that they should lose it all falls into the same into the same bucket yeah i mean the the, the margin is so razor thin between teams even good teams bad teams the talent level is is pretty close so you, you can't. You can't tank. You can't play the game that way. You're going to get hurt. Um, what I learned today is if you want Randy Bullock to kick a <laughs> franchise-long field goal, you let him miss the first two and then yeah. do it. I mean, yes. that was one of the most ridiculous things in the game is that he misses left from 52. He misses right. Timeout. So they redo it. He misses right from 52. Oh, false start on Billy Price. Moving back to 57 and, of course, Very drills tough. it right down the middle. And Randy also kicks the perfect 
onside kick one, one week, week after the worst onside kick of all time. It was the Randy Bullock redemption art game. If only Randy could have lined up the field goal to win it at the end, you would have truly felt great. Uh, yeah, no, just so many absurd elements to this game and everything that surrounded it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is Bengals lose, but really they win. They are the number one pick in the draft. It will be Joe Burrow. They will have their quarterback of the future, and they can try to start building around that. And that is the moral of the story. And Bengal fans better watch the LSU bowl games and keep their fingers crossed yeah. that nothing <laughs> happens to Joe Burrow, because that would be just the Bengals' luck. Yeah, it, it, it sure would. Uh, anyway, we have uh, we have arrived at my destination. I have a 5 a.m. flight I'm very excited about in the morning. Uh and back into the cold. Although it's supposed to warm up a little bit here, Chris. Yeah, sweet 60 this week. Uh, came to South Florida, didn't see the sun, Jay. Not once. Not once. <laughs> so, not a good trip for us in that fact. But hey, you know, we'll take it. Uh, that does it. I, I'm, what a, what a, what a game. What a day. Never forget it. I will never, I will absolutely never forget it. And, uh, I don't think mo- most Bengals fans, certainly any people that listen to this podcast religiously will either. Uh, so thanks everybody that's followed along with us. We'll of course be back for now where the Bengals can go and try to beat the Browns by 45 and give Andy Dalton a standing ovation on his way out and everybody will be happy and they'll finish two and 14 and they won't have the actual worst record in NF- in, uh, franchise history. And, uh, now they're one pick, and everyone will love this team again, right? Uh, no. If Andy <laughs> if Andy has a really big game, I think there's going to be a little bit of angst among the Bengal fans going into the offseason. But, uh-oh, he had two huge games back-to-back. Maybe they're going to do Chase Young and keep Andy another year. I, I think that would – I think they, the fans would show the appreciation for Andy and send him off in style with a nice ovation. But I do think there would be some hand-wringing going into the offseason about, uh-oh, are, are, are the Bengals going to screw this up and, and stick with Andy and, and not do the, the reboot of quarterback? We have four months for this conversation, Jay. Okay. Fast <laughs> <laughs> <Ask> forward. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and uh, reminder, we'll be back Tuesday with a regular podcast and then, of course, Thursday with our bonus pod, uh, which I will try to be less angry on than I was this past <laughs> Thursday, uh, and, uh, with, which we'll be looking into uh, the, the last game of the season, and we'll have our season review stuff uh, next week. Of course, all that coming your way very soon. So from not at all sunny South Florida, in a very normal, totally mundane game at Hard Rock (laughs) Stadium. Dolphins 38, Bengals 35 in overtime. Bengals lose slash win. Have a good one, everybody.